from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during a global pandemic. Amazing show scheduled for you all today. Remember, okay, you can go to YouTube, hit that join button. You can support this channel directly. For only $3 a month, you can become a baby shark. But if coffee is your thing, head over to deadhousecoffee.com, make a purchase. Using the code SHARK, not only do you save 20%, but you're helping support the show as well. So back to today's episode. We're going to talk to somebody who is at the heart of helping companies digitally transform. He helps companies basically solve their business problems using technology and really allows them to get to the next level using cloud and integrations to eliminate data silos. Today's guest is one of the visionaries really helping to push companies off of that digital edge. So who is today's guest? So glad you asked. It is Gopal Viswanathan. Gopal is the VP of Innovations, Cloud, and Client Care at Vision 33, where he leads a global and multifunctional technology and support team with a focus on product strategy, multi-cloud-based platform and hosting, as well as scalable 24 by 7 support processes. With over 20 years experience in software development and data analytics, and over 10 years in architecture, product management, professional services, and client management, Gopal brings an extensive experience in bringing product ideas to release. Hey, without further delay, let's bring my buddy Gopal right on in here. Tech for your biz. Go, Paul. Welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Fake. Absolutely. Hey, David. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Excellent. Right. Yeah. Very so, um, full full transparency disclosure. Uh, everybody that watches, listens to the show, you know that I always try my best to be transparent with everything I possibly can. And go, Paul. I we both do work at my day job, Vision Thirty Three. He is our VP in charge of our innovations department. Is that your official title, Gopal? Uh, official title is VP of Innovations, Cloud, and Client Care. Right? Okay, but, uh, okay. It's, it's basically our software development team, cloud hosting, and uh, global support team. Uh, yeah, one. yeah. So, so with that digital transformation, all that stuff is a really hot topic. So I thought it'd be great to bring Gopal in here because he's one of the best experts that I know. So, and he's a new face. This is his first podcast, he said. I know, I know exactly. First time, a little nervous. We'll, we'll yeah, get so this is a Vision 33 exclusive or a Shark Bite Biz exclusive. There you go, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So basically, you know, we have a tradition on the show. Very, very first question is, hey, what's your experience? 
how did you get where you are? What's your subject matter expertise? Basically, tell us in a nutshell. I, I know this is a loaded question, but tell us in a nutshell, what makes Go Paul Go Paul? Oh, in a nutshell, right? I think it's just, uh, I think it's my uh, drive for uh, drive and passion for technology. And, uh, you know, I just keep pushing the limits, never settling down for what is today, right? Keep pushing, right? Yep. I think that that's, that's uh, probably at the very core of uh, what I am, both in my personal life and, uh, and professional life. That's probably it. That's pretty, pretty awesome. I think that we have that in the, uh, you know, we both have that in common because, as you know, I push limits on a daily basis. So. You do. You do. <laughs> now, that'll I be a whole to... other podcast for it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think to kick this off, one of the places that I wanted to take this discussion to is everybody has come on to the show. Digital transformation is a big, big buzzword right now across all businesses. It was before the pandemic, but the pandemic really put it in the spotlight because businesses literally had to digitally transform almost overnight. So I think a good way to kick this off is you bring everybody in here, all these experts that have been in business owners, their version of digital transformation is different than the next person. What is your definition of digital transformation? Some of the, I, I think, uh, being in my role and, uh, you know, especially as part of our, uh, you know, with our base of 1500 customers, you get to see a lot of examples of digital transformation, right? And, uh, you know, I think uh, the two key areas that are like really kind of, uh, you know, really taking off these days in terms of like efficiencies and automation and all that is just around what we call integrations in general, which is various systems, best of breed systems talking to each other, right? So. Um, again, as you very well know, we launched our uh, um, integration platform as a service product for Saltbox last year, and you know we are seeing customers uh, just take to that uh, and leverage leverage it in all kinds of different ways, right? Of course, we see a lot of e-commerce that I would call it common um, integration scenarios to you know anywhere from Shopify to WooCommerce to Magento and all that, right? But we also see a lot of uh, um, integration scenarios with uh, with custom systems. For example, one of the one of our customers is using it um, to integrate their uh, you know ERP systems to a uh, to uh, you know like government enterprises to exchange facilitate better exchange of information, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know there's also uh, you know there, we are also very excited about our. Uh, you know, iDocuments product, which essentially allows for, uh, you know, automation of our uh, purchasing, uh, the, their purchasing or sales order process, uh, you know, and converts, uh, you know, paper to uh, digital, um, you know, so those are those are some of the uh, recent um, examples of where we see a lot of uh, demand in terms of digital transformation. Right. Right, all right. No, that that's good stuff. So let me ask you this then: with a product like you were saying, with with Softbox, that is a integration as a platform type service. How does a company like Vision Thirty Three, for example, think like, hey, we want to reinvent the wheel. We want to build our own integration service rather than, you know, because that. 
that wasn't easy. I mean, you guys spent a lot of time, a long, many months, hours, you know, getting that up and running versus using a solution that's out there. What kind of tilts the scale for a company to decide to go and do that type of uh, investment? Yeah, I'll I'll speak to uh, our own uh, example, right? So we had, as you know, we have uh, we've been we had been in the integration space for a few years, and the uh, you know, and our uh, we basically looked at it, and you know, fundamentally we asked the question of is this area strategic for our company, right? And mm-hmm. you know, certainly we wanted to be a we really came to the conclusion that uh, you know, in order for us to be successful, and that we we concluded that definitely this was strategic. This was probably our right. It was so strategic for us that we decided this would be the area to uh, really revamp the way we build products as well, right? So it was a complete mm-hmm. uh, transformation, not just about, you know, doing, continuing the path. We just kind of said, hey, what we've been doing was great up until that point, but the market is needing something different at this point, right? And we wanted to mm-hmm. really for scale, ease of use, and, you know, time to value, right? And keeping these core... Um, considerations in mind, we just said, we're going to take a completely drastic, completely different cloud-based approach. And, uh-huh. you know, that's that's how we executed on it. Yes, it was a massive effort, but uh, but I think it's, it's all about kind of uh, envisioning how best we can help our clients through this journey. And we felt that this was the level of investment and this was the level of focus that we as a company needed to put in to truly scale our efforts. So it really sounded like launching that whole product was for i i'm hearing generally speaking that there's two reasons one there's a business for it there's a market for it because if not it it wouldn't make much sense but two it's a very specific solution set out to solve true business needs that's right that's right i mean yes i mean as a business we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't want to be in any area where we we couldn't uh, really one help our customers but also uh, you know, have a return on investment for our dollars, right? But uh, so yes, both of those, uh, there's definitely a huge market need in the integration space uh, today and it's growing. You know, I agree that there are a lot of players there, but still there's room for more and especially in our market space, right? There's definitely room for, uh, you know, really um, the right solution. And we believe that we are on the right track, but certainly we see this as a very strategic play for us as well. Right, right. Oh, I mean, it's kind of like, obviously, my podcast is different than a software solution. But, you know, I had to go through the same thought process while we were launching Shark by Biz. I mean, there's a, a billion different business podcasts out there. I mean, you have people with podcasts that are way better than me. I mean, going from, uh, I don't have the book there anymore, but like the guy, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, has uh, Jordan Belfort has his own podcast out there. I mean, I think Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone, all the the great business sales gurus of today. And it was like, wow, how am I going to compete with them? But ultimately, it came out to I'm coming out with my own style. We're touching a different market. We're for a specific type of person who wants to hear information from a different angle that those people are saying. And it's really servicing a different type of client, well, fan, audience in in the podcast world. And that's essentially what you're doing with Softbox, it sounds like. That's exactly it, right? It's it's taking all the, um, 
it's taking all our domain knowledge right in the in the areas that we are uh, strong at and then bringing it bringing and then replatforming it on the cloud and ultimately delivering just tons of value to the customers thankfully the customers feedback has been phenomenal so it's good to see that going yeah how important is it to be on the cloud compared to having on-prem or perpetual-based solutions in 2021? I think it's, uh, is that the only option? No, there are many different ways you can design your solution. So I'm not gonna sit here and say that, uh, you know, that's the only way forward, right? But I think that any company uh, who do not think of cloud solutions or cloud options uh, in their toolkit is definitely missing the boat. Right, because right. I'll I'll contrast, compare and contrast the solution that we have now, which is Saltbox, to what we had before. Right, again, one was based on the cloud, one was, you know, Saltbox is completely built on the cloud. The other one was mm -hmm. not. This one was not because it was from a different time. Right, but where we are seeing Saltbox really excel is that time to value, uh, prop, uh, you know, getting to, and it's because we are able to leverage the features that. We built on Amazon Web Services that Amazon Web Services brings to the table, right? We are able to leverage that and really turn features around quickly. Um, but then also the scale that we are able to deliver to our clients, right? You know, uh -huh. the, the scalability of the cloud, the reliability of the cloud, and um, you know, just the global aspect of you know how quickly we can expand to meet customer needs. Those are a few things uh, that I think um, the cloud definitely adds a lot of value in. But it, I mean, it, the, with, with the cloud there, as far as it being scalable, I mean, it, it's like if you need more resources, you could literally have those more, you know, those additional resources in minutes. Whereas if you're talking an on-prem server stored somewhere, uh, you know, you have to wait till those parts get it, installed, tested, oh, blah, blah, yeah. blah. That That's a huge time saving right there. That's huge, absolutely, absolutely. And again, I'll give you an example from a Saltbox perspective, right? Uh, you know, one of the ways, many ways, right? We are seeing, um, we are seeing that Saltbox is able to service customers with very large uh, transaction throughput volumes, right? And mm -hmm. we are, we have technologies at our disposal right now where we can we can adjust the size of our infrastructure, right? The infrastructure that we need based on the volume of transactions coming through dynamically in some mm -hmm. cases, right? We are also able to very easily expand our global footprint, right? So if you want to provision a set of services, um, you know, our, in our Frankfurt data center rather than the North American data center, it's very easy for us to do that. You know, things like these without the cloud is, is unimaginable for, you know, for most companies, right? Uh, yeah, especially once you start getting into the international aspect. Um, again, I'll reflect back to my uh, Vision 33 experience, but I had a customer I sold when I was doing sales out in Los Angeles, um, and they were, you. it was sold out of the U.S. because they wanted all that stuff to officially to make it look like they were a U.S. company. Realistically, they were pretty much Chinese. And that's where they did their manufacturing for glasses and stuff like that. Now, when we were getting the cloud server for them, uh, they wanted, they didn't want a separate server for China and a separate one for the U.S., but probably would have been optimal. So they needed to try to find a middle ground and 
Carlos, who runs like the actual cloud server stuff for us at Vision 33, reports right to Gopal. Basically, you know, we had to kind of mess around because like you would think, okay, well, obviously for various reasons, we didn't want the AWS server inside of China and the company didn't either, but we had to get one like, hey, should we use Korea? Should we use uh, Japan? And just for even political reasons between the countries, I think it was, I think we went with Japan first. Uh, this could be reversed. I don't know if you remember, but I no. think we went with Japan first. No. And because of the political reasons, even though this is like a state of the art cloud server, you know, no. they couldn't connect to it more than a crawl because of the limitation of data speeds between China and Japan. No. And it wasn't until it got moved to Korea until it was at an acceptable speed to move fast and it still worked decently well for the American people. That's exactly it, right? And I think I'll just add another, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just, add, you know, going back to your original question, should the uh, should everyone consider cloud? Uh, one of the main reasons to, I hate doing, even though I'm I'm a geek by heart, right? I, one of oh, the you're things, not a geek. <laughs> one of the things I've learned uh, over the course of my many uh, years working through is, uh, you know, doing technology for the sake of technology is almost will almost end up in failure, right? You always have to have the business outcome or the client value that you're providing in mind, you know, which is why I say, right? You know, that what you just outlined is a great example of the value we provided to the client, right? by being able to, again, that's an example of leveraging the cloud and we were able to provide tools to get to an end uh, result for the client, right? And- What was that quote again? Sorry, technology for the sake of technology is bad. Yes. I think we just got the title for this podcast. Yes. <laughs> you are a wordsmith, Gopal. There you go, there you go. <laughs> you know, uh, you know it's, uh, I equate it to, you know, again, you know, it's like, uh, civilians leading the military, you know, not to get yeah. too controversial here, right? But again, it's always, yeah. the, you know, technology is a very powerful uh, tool to be used, mm -hmm. but unless it's used with the right end goal. And for us, you know, again, at my job in Vision 33 and all my career, it's always been about the value that we can deliver to the client, right? And fundamentally speaking, going back to your question, in, in today's uh, world, the cloud helps deliver tremendous value when leveraged properly, right? And when leveraged that, properly. When, lever when leveraged properly provides tremendous value to the client, right? And, but, mm -hmm. you know, again, uh, you know, it's all about how you, how you use it, what decisions you make mm -hmm. around it. And, you know, ultimately that's what it's about, right? I mean, there are, I would, my personal opinion, you know, being in tech, having a, a sound foundation, um, I don't know if I told you, but I actually do have tech degrees from Penn State. That's what I studied mm -hmm. uh, because I, I love it. And, uh, you know, I wanted, even though I knew this stuff, literally, I showed up for tests. That was about it because it was it was way basic knowledge for me for not every course, but some courses, and they wouldn't let me test out of it at the time. So I'd show up, take the exams, write the essays, Bam, graduated with honors. It was right. that easy. But right. um, my point with that, well, I was bragging, but besides <laughs> that, is that, you know, there's three main players I view it in the cloud services. Okay. I mean, there's more players in three, but I, I would say the big three is going to be Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure, and then you have Google Cloud. Okay. Yep. 
how would you rank the services between those three cloud providers? Are they all pretty much on par? I mean, if you're a small business, okay, and you're looking to host some servers or something like that, just get things up in the cloud. How do you know which one of those three are better? Because it's overwhelming the choices that are available. Yeah, and this is a good example of like, you know, it's, uh, you know, ultimately what are your objectives? Because while, you know, I think uh, I'll say that they're pretty much the same to some extent, right? You know, so Amazon is clearly the leader. Amazon is, uh, I would say that in my opinion, Amazon is makes it really easy for people to just consume the cloud, right? Start small and grow your footprint, right? right. I think uh, Microsoft is a little bit, they've gotten a lot better in the recent years, but, uh, you know, I think, I think they're still coming from that big enterprise space. They, you know, they have a different, uh, they also prefer for and focus on a different type of cloud called what is called the hybrid cloud, where you know you can have some some of your infrastructure on premises, mm -hmm. then next use the cloud to extend. So, I would say that uh, uh, you know, again, going back to the scenario of a smaller medium business customer wanting to start something, I I don't. I would say that they can't go wrong with either one, but I would say I would still um, say that uh, probably Amazon or Azure is probably the better place to start, right? Unless, Amazon Azure. Yeah, Google. Google seems to have created a name for itself when it comes to uh, when it comes to um, machine learning and you know advanced modeling and you know those kinds of things. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot about that, like machine learning. Whenever I hear machine learning, that buzzword around, for some reason, 80 to 90% of the time, it's also being associated with Google Cloud. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, they 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 definitely uh, they definitely seem to have taken the they definitely seem to have taken the lead on that front. Uh, they uh, I believe it's a product called TensorFlow or something like that. They've created uh, chips uh, powering their servers specifically for machine learning, and uh, wow. you know they even have a language uh, that they've developed. I think I believe that's what's called TensorFlow, but I could be wrong. Right, but, right, uh, right. Uh, they seem to have uh, a bit of a edge there. Um, you know, although although at the end of the day, it's uh, specifically. I mean, you know, everything is almost the same, but. The customer today who's completely new and trying to get on these clouds, again, I, I go back to what I said, right? It's the cloud is a powerful tool when set up and wielded the right way, right? But right. You know, in order to do that, there was just, I mean, I wouldn't be, the customers can feel overwhelmed when trying to make these right. decisions. You know, I'm overwhelmed when I'm trying to check out this stuff just because when you record a podcast in 1440p and <laughs> you're up over 70 episodes, I mean, in May, I'll hit episode 100. That's amazing, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and we're going to have some big guests on there. Like we're going to have uh, former CNN host, Soledad O'Brien's going to be on the show, <laughs> which I just dropped it right here. That's your breaking news, listeners amazing. and viewers. But we it takes up a lot of space and even getting, you know, I'm running, I have the two terabyte from OneDrive, two terabyte from Google Drive, two terabyte from Dropbox, and that's six terabytes. I've out, I have, uh, with all the videos and stuff we have, I have a 20 terabyte cloud server in my house uh, oh, that's man. almost full, but it's not as accessible as, some of the external stuff. And I'm trying to say like, maybe this will just be easier if I get it on 
cold storage with like Amazon Web Services, like what is it, uh, SW3 or something like that? S3, S3. S3, S3, S3. And even doing that and me being tech savvy, it still is complicated. Like what the heck am I getting here? Is this the the right thing? And it's insane. I know it's, uh, you know, I I completely- Analysis paralysis is what I get. You have, and again, that's, that's not atypical when you consider uh, a client who's looking to say, hey, how do I move to the cloud, right? Or, you know, what decisions should I make? What option? There are just too many options out there, like you said, right? And, uh, you know, uh-huh. I think part of uh, what we do, obviously, at Vision 33 is to help them through that process and make those right. decisions and make that journey a bit easier, right? You know what surprises me? I'm, I'm going to tell you whether you want to know or not, but... Uh, if you look, Amazon, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, the three largest tech companies in this, I mean, Apple's one of the largest too, but they're not really into this type of tech at all. But you look at these three cloud hosted companies, Microsoft is a dinosaur. They've been around forever. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're very seldom are they ahead of the curve i think since the early window days they're yeah. behind the curve but they do end up doing it very well after they fail a couple times and then finally get it right yeah you look at google google's a company that was born in the cloud yes. okay and they were born in the cloud a, a web company one of the i mean technically they're probably like a web dinosaur now too um and then you have amazon another you know from the 90s they were an e-com site, not even a true tech startup or tech company. They were selling books. And yet they are the number one cloud hosting platform. I mean, that blows my mind how bad Microsoft and Google, it would have been easy for them to uh, secure those positions very easy and very fast. Yeah. I think especially Google being a web-based company a cloud type company and they dropped the ball i mean that that is amazing to me how much they dropped it you know what i share that same amount of yeah i i completely agree it's amazing how amazon keeps innovating and just pushing the envelope and more importantly yes i'm sure they have had their failures and you know but it's amazing how much how often they succeed as well right you know and my own theory uh, you know is that you know, I think Microsoft and Google, right? Um, Microsoft did not, um, was behind on the mobile front, on the cloud front because of its obsession with its big cash cow windows, right? It yep. wanted to protect it and therefore it put all its resources with them. They lost sight of what was going on with, uh, you know, yep. emerging technologies back. I was an years. early adopter of Windows phones and I remember everybody had like razor phones and stuff like that. And I'd have this block like this big at the time and everybody would be making fun of me. And I'd be like, dude, I got windows on this phone. Like right here is internet explorer, right here is word, things like that. And, you know, I loved them, but obviously they weren't user friendly like today's devices or even the windows operating system that came out a few years ago that failed again. Yeah. And it's crazy to me how Microsoft, as good as they are with computers, uh, office documents, stuff, they could not crack, for the love of God, cell phones. They failed no, they, so many they times. Couldn't. They couldn't, right? And it's just because they were bringing that 
legacy mindset, which was the desktop mindset to the phone, uh, you know, the same thing, I think, but again, my theory with Google is they just got very successful at ad revenues, right? That's their mm-hmm. 95% of their business. And they found it hard to pivot from that to, uh, but now they've made up some ground on the cloud front and a few other areas, right? But still, I think today, 85 or 90% of Google's revenues still come from their ad business, right? So, but- Which I just made that, a big change that was just yeah. announced yesterday. Did you hear that? Yeah. No, I don't. No, I missed that. I must have missed They that. Google announced yesterday, there's this breaking news on all 30 news apps all had this. Okay. They are not going to be doing personalized advertise, uh, targeted advertisements off of your browsing history anymore. Oh, that's big for them. That's big for them. They are. But, them. Yeah. So you're a tech person. Are you in favor or are you against that type of targeted advertisements? We've heard both arguments on the show. So yeah, either way is fine. I'm, I personally am, uh, you know, I, I just take it as a price of just getting access to data and being on the internet these days. So I don't have a very strong opinion, especially around the data security and, you know, but, yeah. Right. My, my counter to that, though, is that if you're going to be getting ads regardless, is it still giving you ads? Just the one thing is, is that they're not doing it off of your browser history, do would you rather, if you're stuck getting ads regardless, wouldn't you rather them be off your anonymous uh, browser history instead yeah. of just random ads? That's how I find out about a lot of the cool stuff I end up getting. Yeah, I, I do agree. And while I say that I am not, I don't have a strong preference, I have to full disclosure, I do use uh, Microsoft's Edge browser, the new Edge one, which is- The Chromium version? Yeah, the Chromium version. Amazing, isn't it? It is amazing, right? Uh, But again, I think one of the reasons I also switched is because Microsoft, by definition, uh, they don't don't do those uh, that uh, very personalized ads, right? You can, you have more controls to turn it on and off, right? Um, so Yeah, but if you're still going to like Google and stuff like that, if you don't have the do not tracking abilities on, I mean, you're yeah. still going to get the personalized ads. Well, that's not true. anymore because Google stopped selling them. Yep. Yeah, you're right. And, and you know, that's, I think part of my, this thing is it's, uh, it's almost try even, try as you might, as hard as you want, right? Now that Google has explicitly stated that that's a good thing, right? But prior to that, the you have to use Google in some way, some service, right? And you can't escape that. So I've just gotten no. used to it. That's all, right? So this, uh, I mean, there's a million things that we've just talked about that could deserve their own uh, their own podcast because these subjects, you know, you get into the tracking, the ads, you get into all that stuff. It's fascinating. But let's jump back into the cloud segment of this to to wrap it up. But I mean, cloud, whether it's full cloud or hybrid, I mean, it's here to stay. I don't think it has peaked yet. I think it's still the early days. I think it's only going to get better. I mean, you have services like uh, Google Stadia, which is something that Microsoft should have done years ago, Amazon, PlayStation, all of them. And yes, Stadia gets a bad rap in the media. I have it from day one from launch. I don't even play games. I stopped playing Xbox probably about 10 years ago. I always have one because I'll play football every now and then. But for the most part, I don't game. I don't have the time. But 
this, I, I love bleeding tech. I was like, hey, I got to get this. I got to test it out. I want to be a founder. And I got it. And it's amazing. It wasn't perfect day one. But I mean, if you look at it, it's like you're playing your video games over a supercomputer. My son has like a $1,500 desktop computer that can't even play these games in Mac settings. And I'm here streaming them for like the 10 bucks a month. I mean, that, that to that me, is that is the future. That is the future. And, you know, that's exactly the kind of value that, you know, the cloud can bring, right? But uh, it's, it, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's a perfect example of what uh, the scale, right? Of how, uh, how it makes uh, somebody's life uh, interesting. Yeah. Right. So when we start talking about, you know, integrating using the, the cloud as that middleware to pull everything in and stuff like that with a tool like Softbox. I mean, what are some things that you think some companies really need to think about uh, if they're wanting to do the integrations? Like what are some of the misconceptions or some of the things that they may not have thought about when they're like, hey, we want to get this integrated? Um, I think, I think fundamentally, uh, there's more, uh, many ways to answer that. If, if you if you're talking about, and all of these need to be considered. Ultimately, from a business perspective, it's about the time to value and the total cost of ownership. You need to go with the platform that really enables you to get to, you know, business travels at the speed of light these days, right? Business moves at the speed of light, right? So, uh, so you want something that you can get up and running quickly, right? The next one of the things that I'm passionate about, right, aside from all this technology things is, is really empowering our users to be able to, to run with the technology solutions that they have, right? So Solbox, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we have certainly done a lot of that with Solbox where, you know, Solbox is, uh, you don't have to be a developer, you don't have to have a technical background, you can, it's easy to use drag and drop kind of interface, but you know, ultimately, again, it provides value to the customer because it's quicker time to value, and uh, you know, they can own it themselves as opposed to having to rely on somebody else to do the work for them. Mm -hmm. right? But then, uh, when it comes to actually uh, implementing it and having a successful implementation, um, so uh, implement uh, getting everything uh, working, I think uh, really it's about understanding your data and your business scenarios. Right? What is it that you want to achieve? Right? Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, then it's all about moving data from one place to the other and making sure that the data is clean and how do you, you know, and how do you map the various data elements between the source system and the destination system. How right? much should they, how much should a company be choosing to automate? I mean, should they be assuming, you know, budgets, okay, and checks out, stuff like that. Should they be trying to automate everything? Is there a balance? Is there a line? I mean, wh where do you kind of draw that at? I think, I think it's all about business value, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and there's always, even if they wanted to automate everything, it's about, you got, we, we know that we have to prioritize uh, things through the course of, you know, uh, you can't do everything in a day. So it's about like, where does it offer the biggest bang for your buck, whether it's in terms of actually dollars spent, or maybe you, maybe, um, maybe you may want to automate something and integrate uh, your systems to provide a benefit, a net benefit to your customers that you cannot have today, right? A simple example right. is, you know, everybody expects that, uh, you know, you know, this, we do, almost every customer provides a portal to uh, so that they can log on, you know, 
take a look at their account, their open balances, whatever it is. Right? Oh, I love I love when my customers log on to our portal to check their balances and pay because then I don't have to chase them down. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Right. But that's an example of right. You know, and again, it's about how do you in terms of prioritizing automation, right? What is the value that it brings to the table? And you just have to um, look at the ROI. Sometimes it's not just dollars, but it's the benefit to your customers as well or your various stakeholders. You know, some of the troubles that I've seen with customers, you know, with over my five years experience working here with Vision 33 is, well, there's a couple things, okay? First one is I think sometimes companies, um, they overthink it and they get it too complicated. You know, they're like, oh, automate this is, and then next thing you know, they have a billion steps in there and it's mm -hmm. like, dude, you could do this in four steps. Exactly, exactly. So it's, uh, again, I think it's about, I think it goes to that, uh, one way to look at it is that time to value and, uh, you know, if you make your process too complicated, then your time to value is going to be much longer or you may never get there, right? right. You know, the, the other reason to think through this is, you know, again, if you want your users to actually use the system and be able to own the system and, you know, make changes and things like that, you have to make it, your process, you have to try and simplify as much as possible. We all know that the business, right. businesses are complex, but to your point, you, you know, somebody has to really think through that, right? What am I trying to accomplish and what is, how can I keep it as simple as possible? Now, the, the other thing that I see is that companies, and I'm speaking more specific, like from the ERP based world that I live and sell and implement in is that, you know, our customers only know what they know. Okay. So when they go in, they're blueprinting stuff like that. They're stuck on a certain way sometimes because that's really the only way in their mind that they think that it's possible. And even though that there are maybe some best practices out there that will make their lives easier, they're not always fully entrusted that it will be in that new technology. And I think that also leads to the complication as well, too. Absolutely. Right. And, uh, you know, this, this, it goes back to, again, in that cloud analogy, as well as this ana analogy that you just mentioned, right? There are too many options and it's, it's very hard for one person to know everything or, you know, or even do the research to get to know everything. So I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that is always a hard one. You don't know, how do you, um, you know, one, and that's where I think, again, Vision 33 as an organization comes in to help customers because, you know, you know, they, they bring, the customers bring their domain knowledge to the table and we bring the, uh, the general business expertise, the technology expertise, our ERP domain knowledge, and hopefully mm -hmm. we, we enrich that uh, we are able to provide value in that way and ultimately. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to really, in our world, it's like we're your growth partner. You have to trust us and you should, if you're going to have the partnership, I mean, I guess it depends on who you're hiring or what, if you're hiring some dude off Fiverr or Craigslist or something like that, okay. Maybe mm -hmm. don't trust every one of their recommendations to start. But if you're going after a 
company that's going to be like an SAP partner or Sage partner or something like that in in that type of world where they're already essentially vetted and qualified and stuff like that. I mean, that's where I, I think you just kind of have to open your mind and have a little bit of that trust yes. that they're going to lead you down the right path because you got to remember, they don't want you to fail either. No. They want you to be successful. Absolutely. And I, I think the key central theme here, uh, David, of what you, uh, the conversation we're having is that in order to be successful these days, because you only, any one person or any one company can only know so much, partnerships are very crucial, right? You can't do it all yep. on your own, right? No. And, uh, you know, even Vision 33, even our company, right? We, we don't do it all ourselves. So to build Saltbox, we essentially partnered with AWS, right? They're bringing that cloud expertise to the table and we are build, adding our value-added domain knowledge and delivering that to the customer, right? So right. You know, this is one example, right? We partner with so many different organizations, which uh, which ultimately, uh, you know, so yeah, partnership uh, in, t in today's world is really key to uh, to thinking through and automating, uh, right. know, getting to the so, successful end game, right? Right, right, right. Um, so we do only have a few minutes left. I do want to briefly touch upon one topic, just because while you are the tech guru, um, a nerd as you so-called yourself, you also have in your title for customer care, customer service, and uh, a lot of things have changed in 2020 with this pandemic. People are working from home. They're not working in their offices. Maybe they had a VPN in yeah. their office. And now it's like you don't have the people on that VPN inside those four walls or outside those four walls. How has customer service, customer care had to adjust uh, those types of demands during this pandemic? Very, very good question. I, I think uh, in general, part of uh, customer care uh, for any industry, certainly relevant to us, is just the empathy that goes with it, right? Uh, and uh, you know, I, I would say that we saw an interesting trend. Um, you know, we, as part of our tracking, we have we track a lot of metrics, but we saw an interesting trend where in Q2 last year, when you know COVID was really getting rampant around the world, right? And um, you know, businesses were shutting down uh, at least mm -hmm. temporarily. Um, we saw, obviously, we saw a decline in the ticket trends, right? But then, uh, you know, uh, in the number of tickets coming in, the number of customers coming in, but it came back with a vengeance around summer when businesses started, um, you know, opening back up, right? right? So from our standpoint, we just had to deal with a sudden deluge of tickets, right? Which is good, right? But again, we we got we got to work through some new scenarios and a lot of them were related to, you know, connectivity issues and, uh, you know, and even like, you know, how do I do something that I used to do in the office working from home, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and again, it's just, uh, it was a very different way, but I think there was, uh, I think if anything, it has forced us to become more uh, adapt and, you know, deal with the larger volume of tickets, but also a wider variety of issues to meet, uh, to help uh, the customers through that uh, pain, really. Um. Well, that was a good answer. Very, very VP-ish, Gopal. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> hey, this has been amazing, man. This was a really informative chat. I know you were a little nervous because you don't do many podcasts, oh. but you killed it, man. 
Thank you. I was a lot nervous, to be honest. But uh, anyway, thanks. Well, this is a big show. Everybody's nervous coming on here. Absolutely. But uh, that's very exciting about uh, Soledad O'Brien coming on the show. And you know what? You you are killing it. So keep going. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So I got one last question for you. How can people reach out to you? LinkedIn is the best way to reach out to me. Okay. Okay. So everybody listening, uh, or if you're watching the show, check down in the description. We will have GoPaul's LinkedIn profile listed right there. Make sure you tell him that you saw him on Trek by Piz. GoPaul, man, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me, David. It was it was fun. Now I'm a little awesome. less going forward. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Man. Thank you, man. Sure. Cheers. Bye. Wow, that was uh, a great chat with Gopal. We really went all over the place with him. First, y'all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, okay? Please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, leave a comment. But if you really, really, really found it helpful, do me a solid, share this interview out, share the video, share the iTunes link, wherever you're consuming this interview, share it out, get it on LinkedIn, get it on Facebook, get it on Twitter. I would love nothing more than GoPaw Vision 33 and Shark Bite Biz to be trending. So let's get back to GoPaw now, okay? And again, in full transparency, GoPaw is a VP at the company I work for, totally separate divisions and honestly he's probably one of the smartest people i know a really really amazing dude and it's pretty cool that he does live here in philadelphia with me well not in my house but he lives in philadelphia you guys get it it was really cool what gopal is saying as far as some of the trends he's seeing with integrations as far as them leaning towards e-commerce. In a way, that really validates what a lot of these businesses that have been on this podcast, a lot of the experts that are telling us that, you know, just like you hear in the stock market, hey, diversify, diversify your portfolio, all that good stuff. Same exact thing with um, e-commerce. The companies are diversifying their e-commerce, their omni-channel directions, and they're really starting to embrace and use every single digital channel available to them. And I think that's really where the technological partner, somebody like Gopal's team, can really come in Use a tool like Softbox to basically connect those two, three, five, 10, 15 different endpoints, automate the workflows between them all and make everybody's life easier. I also think Gopal made a really excellent point on having your business in the cloud, making it accessible virtually anywhere you have a connection. Being able to have a business that is nimble enough that if something happens, you can operate outside the four walls without having to go into emergency mode. And, you know, th that was pretty critical when COVID hit. If you were already running in the cloud, uh, and by the cloud, maybe you still had your own server, but you had it set up to where you can access it on the outside world and still operate. Or maybe you did have it in Microsoft's Azure or Amazon AWS servers, okay? Uh, if you were running like that, you know, good chance your business was going, you know, a little rough. We are in a pandemic, but 
you're in a decent position. It wasn't like if you didn't have that, your business absolutely shut down until you figured something out at an enormous cost. Preparation, being ready, embracing technology before you desperately need it is something that's always going to save you a lot of time and save you a lot of money. Lastly, you know, he did give some good tidbits of what to look for when you do do an integration. The final point I wanted to make is Gopal made some really good tidbits about what to look for when you do need an integration. Gopal said, and I quote this, business travels at the speed of light. I love that quote. I swear one day we're going to go see it in a book and it's going to be attributed to Gopal on the Shark Bite Biz podcast. <laughs> but anyways, you know, it is so true. And getting something up quickly for your business is critical, just like you was saying. Make sure you can empower your users to run with the technology, that you're not doing something that every little move has to be done by somebody with an IT degree. Make sure that it's a nimble, that it's a user-friendly enough program that your people in the front lines are able to use it to a degree as well, too. Now, the biggest pitfall he was saying was that most companies really don't understand their data. And understanding their data and what you want to achieve with your data is the most important point of integrations, okay? A clear, precise message of what you want to do and again, you may need a technological partner like Gopal's team at Vision 33 with their Softbox technology to help you do that, okay? And that's fine. If you can't come up with that alone and you need help, that's not an issue. That's what experts, whether it's Gopal's team or somebody else, that's what they're there for you to do. They're there to help you develop that message. I mean, think of it. In terms of sales, you're going out there, you want to make a sales pitch, okay? If you don't have a clear, precise message, it's just going to be mumble-jumble and people are not going to be able to connect with you and you're not going to make any sales. Kind of the same thing when you go into the, the integrations as far as what your plan is, what do you want to achieve so that way we can get the data and the workflows flowing in those directions. So yeah, that was amazing. Hey, remember, smash that join button on YouTube and for as low as three bucks a month, you can become a baby shark. Join the channel, be a member, and make sure to visit deadhousecoffee.com. Use the code SHARK. You get 20% off your order and it's an amazing way to support the show. Lastly, do you wanna be on the show? We got a new email. Send the request to interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Once again, I'm David Strausser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.